Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. It's good to be here. Yes, my name is Jeremy Borden. I'm originally from the U.S., um, but I've been here nearly, oh, coming close to 10 years now. Um, Thanks for giving me the privilege of speaking the last Sunday of the year, last Sunday of the decade, so it's a big one. Um, Yeah, originally from Massachusetts, love sports. Anyone know, Massachusetts is probably the best state to come from if you're a sports fan. Anyone know any good sports teams that come out of Massachusetts? Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, there's one more, Gridiron, think Gridiron, what? Patriots, great job. Yeah, New England, yeah, they switched from the Boston Patriots to the New England Patriots. So I came from from Massachusetts, love my sports. My role actually within Churches of Christ right now is sports minister, whether or not you can believe that that's a real thing. Um, I can't. Uh, So I get to run big sports programs that engage with churches uh, and have a lot of fun kind of doing that. I'm married. I have a six-month, or no, six-week-old. Oh, yeah, today. Crazy. Yeah, it's wild. So I got out of the house today, which is good. Now nah, it's good to be here. So today's the last Sunday of 2019, and, and I want us to start thinking through the past 10 years. What did the past 10 years kind of look like? Um, so what what comes to your mind when you think of 2010s? Anyone throw some things out there? The past 10 years, anything come to mind culturally, technolo- technologically, iPad? Yeah, that came out in, I think, about 2010. And the iPhone 4 came out in 2010, if you can believe that. Anything else? Here, I'll run through some. We, we fell in love over the 2010s with streaming services like Netflix. Uh, we've done Spotify. With Netflix, there's also what? We have KO, Stan, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, new one, yeah. Um, we had the rise and fall, maybe, some would say, of the hipster and the man bun. Oh, there we go. Good old George W. Uh, we saw dance crazes take over in the form of Gangnam Style, the Harlem Shake, flossing, and the dab. I'm a new dad now, so I might slip some dad jokes and just throwing that out there. We have seen some companies have uber success. Oh, All right, I'm not fully there yet. Uh, We moved away from buttons on our phones, all right? So we're now completely touch screens. We have seen the selfies, the rise of the selfie, political Twitter rants, fidget spinners, bottle flips, and dating apps. And we've had superhero everything. Anyone a superhero fan? Anyone over superheroes? No, okay. Mixed crowd, mixed crowd. We still love everyone. Uh, so as the decade comes to a close, I just thought, what could we do? Could we spend some time in self-reflection? 
what does your life look like in the past 10 years? Where have you been? When I think of my life in the past 10 years, a lot has changed over those 10 years. A lot is different. For me, reflecting on my life, and this is, I think this is good for any of us when we come to the end of the year to reflect on our past year, but even so much more this year because the past 10 years, what, what has happened? For me, I finished uni. I, I was studying at a school in Virginia. Uh, I studied intercultural studies or cross-cultural ministry and studied things like cultural anthropology and all these different religions and, and really saw what God was doing across the world and then I moved here to Australia, and I started working for a church, and I worked there for about five and a half years. Um, and during that time, uh, I met a girl who ended up being a girlfriend and then ended up being my wife, uh, and now we have a baby. And, and during that time, I started heading up this organization through Churches of Christ called On Mission Games uh, and looking at sports ministry and how do we engage with the culture uh, that's around us, this culture in Australia where we love sports and we love to be a fan and cheer things on, and how do we engage with that? And all through these things, you know, you, you probably look at the highlights a little bit more than the lowlights. In my 2010s, ha haven't been perfect. Through that, there's been sickness, there's been anxiety, there's been failure, there's been lack of trust, there's been sin, there's been hardships in my life. But still, as I look at those 10 years, I go, I tried really hard to serve God over these 10 years. I had no family, no friends over here. I just, I took an internship in 2008, came over here for a couple months, and then when I felt God calling me back, I took a job over here. You know, I've been working for the church. I've been dedicating my life to, to sharing this message all over the world uh, that, that I go, yes, there's definitely faults. There's definitely things that I have done wrong, and I'll put my hand up and say, man, this, is, this message is even for me that I don't do everything perfect. But over the last 10 years, I think I can honestly say that I've tried to serve God as best as possible. And I've failed at times. And I've lived in that valley at times. But moving forward, moving forward to the next 10 years, to the 2020s, what does our future look like? How can we live with this faith in action? What does that look like for us? here at Elevate, here in Perth, here in Western Australia? How do we move forward? So we're going to look at a story of a guy, um, and we're going to, the, the chapter in Hebrews 11 is kind of the faith in action chapter. It goes through a bunch of different people and things that they did, and some per people get a verse. This guy gets probably about four or five verses about his life in this kind of faith in action. So if we turn to Hebrews 11, we're going to read 1 through 2 and then 23 through 29. We're just going to try to break this down as we go and, and understand what does faith in action look like from this guy's perspective. So verse 1, it says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance in what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. So when we're thinking of faith, it's that confidence of something that's greater out there, but it's the assurance in something we can't see. 
I often think of like sitting down on a chair, you know, you you have faith that that chair can hold you up. You can't see that it can hold you up. You can kind of see the mechanism and go, oh, it looks like it's sturdy, Uh, but you can't necessarily see it. It's having that confidence to sit down, sit back. In our lives, this faith in Jesus that we just heard about from the Christmas story, do we have that same confidence in what we hope for and in the assurance in what we do not see? These people did. And we're going to look at a guy named Moses. So in verse 23, and we're going to go through 29, it says this. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were afraid of the king's edict. The king's edict at that time was that uh, the Israelites were going to rise up. They were getting too strong. They were having too many kids. uh, That at some point they were going to be too strong for Egypt. Um, So they were afraid. So they decided, oh, what we can do is we'll just kill all of the children. We'll just drown them in the river. So that's why this is saying his parents hid them. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So what happened in this story, if you know the story of Moses, is uh, he was ended up, they hit him for three months, and then they ended up floating him down uh, the Nile where he was found by Moses' daughter. Moses' daughter brought him in, made him part uh, of the kingdom. He actually became known as a prince, um, but he still was an Israelite. So in verse 25, continuing on, it says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace, uh, he re- regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger he preserved because he saw him who is invisible. Moses was still sympathetic to the plight of Israel, even being a prince in Egypt, you know? It's, it's easy to say, oh, if I had a billion dollars, I would do this and this. But it's different when you have that money to then go, no, 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 I, I see these slaves out here. I'm actually going to leave everything And there is a moment in Moses' life, because I think the Bible kind of uh, doesn't try to boast of anyone other than Jesus, uh, that everyone is showed their flaws in the Bible. You see flaws in every single person. And there's a moment in Moses' life where he sees uh, an Egyptian and an Israelite kind of The Egyptian is beating an Israelite, so Moses actually tries to intervene and get him to stop and ends up killing uh, this Egyptian. And he flees, and he he leaves to a place uh, called Midian to get away. Um, And we continue on. So so he, he was born, he was hidden, there was this edict that he should be killed, he didn't get killed, he ended up getting found by the Pharaoh's daughter, uh, becoming a man that was a prince that had kind of this reign over this country, a partial rule, if you will, had all the money, all the food, everything he could ever wanted, but still felt sympathetic to this plight. Um, that's going on that led him to intervene in a situation, and then he flees the country to a place called Midian. 
And then it says, by faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. So Moses comes back to Israel after being in Midian uh, for a while. He gets married there um, and gets starts a family and comes back because there's still this going on. There's still this injustice uh, of his people. There's still this calling that God's called him back. And we if we've watched The Prince of Egypt or any uh, movie about Moses, it's that let my people go moment. Uh, all of those plagues and things happen, and it finally finished uh, with this Passover issue. And then finally, Pharaoh lets them go. But then they come to an impasse at the Red Sea, and it says, By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. The things that are in this highlights are God also spoke to Moses in a burning bush. He gave him the Ten Commandments, and he started the pilgrimage uh, to the Promised Land. So those are some serious highlights for a guy. Um, if you had a Hebrews 11 written about you, you know, like what, what would it say? Would you get, get something like that, or would you get a line? Um, and I think oftentimes we read the Bible out of this lens of, holy cow, these guys are s the superheroes. Like, these guys are not real. Like, when I read about Moses, when I read about Abraham, when I read about Paul, when I read about Ruth, I go, man, there's something special about these people that I don't have. And for me, I, I, I disassociate. I go, oh, no, no, that's a different time, different place. That's a different thing going on. But I was like, man, if this Jesus stuff is real, that, there's that same power living in us. And there's a crazy verse in James, and I'm going to paraphrase it from the Jeremy version, um, so don't quote this. But, but there's a verse in James 5. It's right towards the end. I think it's 18 and 19. Um, and it says, Elijah a man like ourselves, all right? First, you're like, oh, sweet, this guy, me and him are on the same level, great. Prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and it did not give rain on the earth for three and a half years. You go, we're not the same. <laughs> Elijah is not like myself. Um, and then it says, oh, and then he, he prayed again in the heavens, gave rain, and the earth produced crop. And you go, holy cow, that's just like... In this book of James, it's just like two verses that almost seem like they don't really fit in there. And you go, wow, I read that once, and I just went, man, those are the two most challenging verses for me. Because oftentimes I read this Bible, and I read about these people. I read about Moses, Abraham, all these different people in the Bible, and I go, they are on a different level. I could never be there. God could never use me in that same way. But Elijah, a man just like ourselves... Moses, a guy that should have died at birth, who got elevated to a huge status but made himself low again, that probably did one of the worst things that we could ever think in human society, killing someone else. God not only brings him back and speaks to him, he uses him to lead the people out of Egypt he gives him the Ten Commandments, and he starts leading the people to the promised land. 
So what does faith in action look like for 2020? What does that look like for us in Perth? And you might go, Jeremy, I don't have 2020 vision. Um, oh, dang it. Sorry. I just said one to see if you were awake. But what does faith in action really look like? What, what, what challenges should we have in our heart? You go, oh, I'm nowhere near Moses. Yes, I'm the same. I don't think I'm anywhere near Moses. But what does that look like? And I just want to finish with two simple points to look at today about what could faith in action, what do I think God's trying to tell us here in Perth, Western Australia? If this Jesus stuff is true, if this God stuff, if there's something bigger than us after we die, what should we be called to as Christians? What should we live? How should we live? So just two points to finish with today is one, we need to be committed to the relationship, to a relationship with God. Yes, those people in the Bible, there's nothing different. They were human just like ourselves. But, but this was something that was different. They had communion with God. So how do we foster a positive relationship with anyone in our lives? We spend time with them. We meet with them. We eat with them. We drink with them. We hang out. But oftentimes when I talk to Christian, I go, what's your, what's your walk like? When was the last time you spent time with God? It's, oh, I can't tell you the last time I prayed. I can't tell you the last time I got into God's word. And we want these things from God, and we want these uh, highlights in our lives. We want these mountaintop experience, but we, we don't actually do anything to foster that relationship. I think spiritual disciplines are so important, and, and not for the sake of tradition, but I think what they bring to us. As someone that's engaged with sport for a long time in my life, I've seen uh, guys go on to be professional athletes, not because they've had the skill necessarily, but man, they've put in the work. They've gone hard, even when they didn't feel like it. Even when that goal of being a professional athlete didn't feel like it was anywhere close. Do we live that same way? So if faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. If prayer is our communication with God, if the Bible is God's uh, word that speaks to us that we could hear from him. There's all these different things of, of taking communion uh, to, to remember uh, Jesus' death on the cross and, and fasting and, and so many of these spiritual disciplines that, that were just set up to, to help us stay on that track, to help us to have that relationship. And I'm not saying this is how you need to do it. You need to wake up every morning at 5 a.m., you know, because I would still be dreaming of God at that time. Um, and for each person, it's different, but, but can we be committed to this relationship as we move forward? So just take a second and think, what is your walk with the Lord like? Over the last 10 years, if it's the most important thing to you, do we live like that? How would you define it? 
what is your relationship like? And I think how we, we, we feel about this first point, about how our relationship with God is, uh, will definitely delve into this second point that I have. Is I think if we've fostered this committed relationship to God, I think the second thing we need to do is we need to be bold. Moving forward into 2020, we need to be bold as Christians. In an age where everyone can have their own sense of spirituality, we shy away from speaking about ours. I remember being in uh, North Africa, in a country that's 99.9% Muslim, and I sit down on the couch with a guy who knew way more about the Bible than I did, but knew way more about a lot of things in life than I did. Uh, and we sit down and we start to talk about different religions and, and stuff. And he goes, oh, aren't you a Christian? And I was like, ooh, I'm in a country that's not Christian. What do I say to this? And I was like, yes, I am. He's like, in this specific country we are in, he's like, as a Muslim, the first thing off our lips, because it's the most important to us, is our Muslim faith. So he's like, why, as a Christian, is not the first thing off your lips anything about God or anything about Jesus? And it stuck with me, like it stuck with me for years, that yes, there's a lot of tradition and a lot of things that, that, that are just done in that culture. But if it's important to us, it should be something that comes out naturally and comes out fairly quickly. Like, it's easy for me to say, oh, this is my wife, this is my son, because that's something that's important to me. But this is my God, this is my faith, this is what I truly believe in. That's really hard to come out. And the, there's these two guys that I've been journeying with over the past uh, eight years now. We've been doing a small group together for a while. And I remember having a conversation with them recently, because I get so frustrated with this point of, uh, let's just be bold, let's just... Let it flow out of us, you know? Let's not hide it because we're so concerned with what everyone thinks. Um, and I was asking them about opportunity that they get to speak about Christ. I said, you know, not around Christians, how often do you get a chance to speak to someone about God? And they say, maybe once a month. That was their conservative figures. And I go, out of a once a month, because I'm a statistics guy too, because I like sports, out of once a month... How often do you actually get past, like, a couple sentences? Like, it actually leads into a discussion. They said, oh, we get about a 10% hit rate. So I go, what you're telling me is as two probably the most, oh, two guys that I know that know the Bible inside and out that, that could be doing this, they could be preaching, they could be serving in this way, uh, they get one solid conversation every 10 months with someone that doesn't have the same belief system as them. And as I talk to more churches, and as I talk to more youth pastors and young adults pastors, I see that this is becoming a trend. We don't want to offend anyone. But I don't think it's necessarily offensive. I think it's just us being bold to share, to be able to have open conversation with people, even though we have differing beliefs and differing opinions, to be real about who we are. Someone once told me that um, 
the way to think about the gospel in, in this guy, Jesus, is like the cure for cancer. And that's something that stuck with me since I was a, t- a teenager. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And they were like, imagine the gospel as if, you know, you found the cure for cancer. You'd be going to the hospital. You'd be going to children's wards. You'd be going and being like, here's the cure. Here's the cure. Here's a pill. Take this pill. This will cure you. You'd be doing whatever you can to save every person of cancer that you could. We know it's a devastating disease. A lot of us would have friends and family that have dealt with it. But yet we have this disease of our human nature, of sin in our lives, of wrongdoing that, that comes in. And yet we know that, that there's an eternal resting place for people. And that sin and not knowing God is way worse than having cancer. But yet we don't have the boldness to share that message. Like to me, if I had the cure for cancer and I'm around a bunch of cancer victims, that looks a lot more like hate than it does love. It looks a lot, lot different. And I'm in this camp too, and I shy away, and, and I'm the same. This is 100% for me to this message. And I'm not trying to guilt anyone, but I'm trying to go, let's take a realistic look at our lives. And Moses did all these crazy things. Moses had all these highlight moments in his life. But Moses in Exodus also was talking to God, and God was saying, lead these people to the promised land, and he's questioning God, and he's going, who are you sending with me? And then God says, don't worry, just go. And Moses goes, this is a paraphrase version, Moses goes, well, if you're not going with us, we're not going. And I think that's awesome. Because if we truly believe in God, if we truly believe in his spirit, that he lives in us, uh, that he goes wherever we go, that he's an advocate on our behalf, I think it's fine to go, God, I'll be bold, but you better be coming with me. Like, I'll be committed to this relationship. I'll be open with friends and family. But you need to be with me. If you're not coming with, I'm not going. And boldness is not just our words and action. It's how we live our lives, too. It's how we give. It's how we love others. Do we love out of a place of, you know, reckless abandon? Do we love out of a place where it's like, no, man, God's just given me so much. I just want to give and love on you as best I can. It's not just our words. So my heart is that as we get to 2029, we can look back at the past 10 years and go, man, there's this weird American dude that showed up at our church, and he got me thinking. He got me thinking what the next 10 years could look like. He got me thinking about my past 10 years and goes, oh, no, I really want to serve God in these next next 10 years. I really want to see 
that if this is truly the most important thing of my life, if this is truly something that I've dedicated everything to, that he just takes control of that. Let me just pray for us, and then we'll finish there. God, we just thank you so much for who you are, for your son. We thank you for the opportunity to have a relationship with you and to get to know you deeper. We thank you for the past 10 years and what you've done in all of our lives, whether good or bad, but we're still here. And we pray for our future. We pray for a future that's committed to you. We pray for a future that's bold. We pray for a future that you are at the center of. So God, as we go out, as we, we live for you, let us just go out and be a blessing to others because you are such a blessing to us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.